0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you in church today. I am grateful on this uh, first Sunday in Lent that you are here. Although I suspect that many of you are here because this is also a special Sunday where we are saying farewell to our friend uh, Judith and our friend Martha. And so I just want to say thank you for whatever reason that you are here. It is good to be in church with you today. It's Lent. Do I have to fast something? If I do fast, can I take a break on Sundays? Is there something specific that I should be giving up in Lent? Is it okay if what I choose to give up benefits me? Maybe I lose a couple of pounds or I kick a habit that I've been trying to kick anyway. Father Josh, what are you giving up this year during Lent? These are just a handful of the questions that I have been asked in the span of the last five or seven days. And these questions are not unique to just this year. I find that in the church, these are questions or questions like these that we always ask because Lent is so peculiar in relation or in comparison to the rest of the church year. In fact, I found myself asking these questions in my own faith walk. And I think the question that all of us are really asking when we ask these kind of questions, I think we're actually asking, am I doing this right? Now, again, these questions are normal. I've asked them myself. But I want to invite you to think about Lent in a different way, if this is the way that you are thinking about it this year. Because my fear is that these kind of questions cause us to think about Lent More like an apartment lease or an extended warranty on our car where we are caught trying to read the fine print, making sure that we know all of the terms and conditions for fear that we might somehow void our warranty or void the agreement that we have entered into. I remember when Laura and I bought our home and we got this uh, homeowner's agreement and I signed it and then laura spent the next day or two reading through all 100 pages i fear that this is the way that many of us kind of deal with lent with much anxiety so let me invite you to think about it possibly in a different way because is this how our relationship with god works is this what the christian calendar the liturgical calendar is designed to do Is it supposed to put us into a situation or a relationship where if we just get one thing wrong, somehow we have lost our way completely? Is it designed to make us dance on the head of a pen for fear that if we take just one small step to the left or the right that we might fall off into our doom? I joked with the young adults on Friday uh, that I was not actually going to write a sermon for today, but I was just going to read Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God to you. But I, but I will not. So then, what is Lent about if it's not about these things? If it's not about giving up the right things at the right time in the right way? What is Lent actually about? I think the other thing that I want to say to you is that most of the Christian year does not make sense if we try to view it or practice it in isolation. Lent, like the other seasons of the Christian year, only really makes sense when we understand them, not in a vacuum, but in the larger arc of the Christ story. In other words, each year we are called to walk with Christ from the very beginning. Even before the beginning. We are called to walk with Christ in the anticipation... An- I'm not going to be able to say that. In the looking for, the expectancy. I'm just going to choose a different word. We are called to wait for Christ in Advent. To celebrate His birth in Christmas to have a realization of who He is and what kind of uh, Messiah that God has sent into the world in Epiphany. And then in Lent, we are given the hard work of preparing with Jesus for Easter. This season only makes sense if we understand it in the entirety of the story. It can't just be something that for a certain amount of weeks, we just give up a few things and then we go back to our normal life. And so how do we understand it? How do we understand it in the larger story of the story of Christ? It is no mistake that each year in the lectionary, year A, year B, and year C, that we read the exact same story in the first Sunday in Lent. In year A, we read from the Gospel of Matthew what we have read today in year B, the same account in the Gospel of Mark, although with much less detail, and then again in year C from the Gospel of Luke. We read the story because it sets a tone. It frames this season for us. It tells us what we should be looking for and what we should be pursuing and practicing in this season to prepare us to be Easter people, which is our ultimate calling. So, let us for a few moments walk with Jesus. He has just been baptized. His ministry is just beginning. And immediately he is drawn out into the wilderness. The wilderness is not a strange place for people to go when they are trying to hear clearly the voice of God. The children of Israel were drawn out into the wilderness again and again because it was one of the only places, it was one of the only places that they could actually hear the voice of God despite all the noise of the world. Perhaps this is too why we follow Jesus into the wilderness in our day and time. Because it is so hard to hear the voice of God because of all of the noise out there. Now, the different, uh, the different uh, tellings of the story differ just a little bit on what happens. But Jesus fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And... Each of the stories use a different term, either the devil or Satan or the tempter come to Jesus either during his fast or just at the end of it. And Jesus is famished. I don't know about y'all, sometimes I eat lunch an hour or two late and I am desperate by that point. I can't imagine waiting 40 days and 40 nights. And here he is in our story this morning at the conclusion of this fast, and the tempter comes to him and tempts him three times. The first thing that the tempter does is he attacks Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, pick up these stones and command them to become loaves. In other words, just fix your problem. You've got the power to do it. This is who you are. Nothing's standing in your way. And Jesus' response, I think, is the first invitation for us in Lent. He tells this tempter, this Satan, tells him, man or one does not live by bread alone, but instead by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I have alluded to this in several sermons in recent history but I will say it again. It is possible for us to have a full table and a full pantry. To have a full belly and a full mouth and still be starved of love, truth, and wisdom that comes from only one source. It is possible for us to be so filled physically that we are so comfortable that we become blind to the needs of the world around us. And Lent invites us for a moment to be hungry so that our eyes will be open, not only to our own needs, but to the needs of others around us. Lent is about taking on physical hunger so that our eyes can be open. The devil wastes no time arguing, he whisks Jesus away to the holy city, Jerusalem, and takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. And once again attacks Jesus' identity, saying, if you are the Son of God, just throw yourself off. Just hurl yourself off this building, because the Scriptures say that you'll be taken care of, that angels will come and rescue you, that not even your foot will be dashed against a stone. I struggled this week a little bit with this temptation What is the application here? You and I do not possess this kind of power. But I think the answer is in in Jesus' response. Do not tempt the Lord your God. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. I think the interesting thing about relationships is if you really want them to work, if you want them to be healthy, you really can't put the other party to a test. You can't manipulate them for the response that you want just because it makes you feel good and affirms who you are in that relationship. And I think for us, this temptation invites us to take inventory not only of our relationship with God, but our relationship with other people. How are we treating them? Who is the priority? Whose need rises to the top? Mine or yours? The person I love. Lent is a time where we can look at not only our relationship with God, but those that we love and those who we do not even know yet. Think about how often you hear an awful story on the news, but you just turn it off because you can't be bothered to worry about that. Once again, Lent invites us to open up our eyes, to experience the hunger necessary to be attuned to the needs of the world around us. Once again, Satan does not argue. The tempter whisks Jesus away one more time. Up to a high mountain where they can see the kingdoms of the world. And the tempter says this. If you'll just bow down. If you will just worship me. Then all of this can be yours. Jesus refuses to. This invitation. He says, Away with you, Satan. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. We talk a lot about self denial in the season of Lent. And I think that's where we get the idea that we're supposed to give up chocolate or coffee or not watch TV or give up social media for a little while. And let me tell you, that's healthy. There is something to be gained. There is a benefit to you for giving up these things. But this year, as I allow this story, this Gospel story that we read every year to frame this season of Lent for me, and I'll invite you this season of Lent for you as well, I believe this final response invites us to a radical recentering of our life. The difference is is that most of the year, we allow ourselves to exist at the center of the universe. We think that life is about us. We think that we are the most important thing and we spend our time trying to protect and preserve this person that we are and this comfort that we have. And yet, in this response, Jesus invites us to shift ourselves from the center and to place God there instead a radical decentering of ourself and a radical centering of god because when god is in the center of our life god illuminates all things so that once again we can see the world more clearly than we ever have the truth is is that lent is not just 40 days the lent is not just a season of the christian year but the lent but lent is a call to continual repentance restoration, and reconciliation, not only with God, but with everyone else, which is why we gather each week. You may not even realize this about the service, but the whole service is designed for you to... Oh, come on. That, that's. Can I get a high five first? That's when you know the sermon's going well. When people start, well, or maybe you're coming up to stop me. And cut it off. Cut it off, buddy. I definitely just lost my conclusion. I was almost there. I was almost there. So this season of Lent, I invite you. I invite you not just to 40 days. I invite you not just to one season. But I invite you to a radical recentering of your life that places God right there in the midst that changes the way that you see yourself when you look in the mirror, that changes the way that you see God, that changes our temptation to view God as a bean counter in the sky waiting for us to mess up this extended warranty, and instead to realize that you are in a relationship that you don't have to test or manipulate or challenge because God loves you so deeply just as you are. So in this season of Lent, rest in that. Find, rest, and answer the invitation to be restored and to be reconciled both to God and to your neighbor. Amen.